morning, Sailorville Church, and happy Easter to everyone here. I mean, we could wrap this thing up right now, couldn't we? Just have Jacob come out here and preach again. That was an open declaration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his power in the life of one who believes. Easter is the declaration of God that says death does not have the final say. And Christ has conquered the grave. He rose from the dead, just as the Bible tells us, and we actually believe it, giving all of us here hope in the face of death. Do you have hope in the face of death? I've faced death. Some of you have as well. When my first wife died, a few weeks later, a pastor friend called me, and uh, he pastor a little fledgling church of about 15 people, and so he had to have a, a side job. I didn't know what his side job was, but he actually engraved gravestones. And he said, I'd like to, I'd like to do that for your wife. And he said, there's new technology uh, that allows us to laser cut. You could even put her testimony on there if you wanted. And that's exactly what I did. And though you can't read it from here, on there is her personal testimony of placing her faith in Jesus, and it's on that basis that God gave her life and the hope that we have that she'll rise again. Do you have that kind of hope? I'm reminded of another gravestone in uh, England that somebody came across one day. Can you imagine their surprise when they looked at the gravestone and they read these words? These were the words, pause, my friend, as you walk by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare, my friend, to follow me. Can you imagine reading that on a gravestone? Some wag walking by, wrote on a piece of paper, to follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know which way you're going? Really? Do you know which way you're going? One of Job's friends asked the ultimate question. If a man dies, will he live again? That is the ultimate question. Let me ask you, is that a question worth pursuing? Yes or no? It certainly was for a couple of disciples. It certainly was for a couple of disciples on that very first Easter. If you brought a copy of Scripture, I'm in John chapter 20. Every one of the Gospel accounts records the death of Jesus, and every one of the four Gospels records the resurrection of Jesus. This is our hope. This is what makes Christianity the good news, in the Gospel good news. John chapter 20, notice John's way of describing it. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, that's the woman who had several demons Jesus had cast out of, came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that would be John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple, being skinnier and faster, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Everybody's running. 
Somebody has said, if we're going to do Easter uh, uh, the way they did it back in the first century, we wouldn't have a, a sunrise Easter service. We'd have a sunrise Easter run because that's what they were doing. Why do people run? I mean, some of you are runners. Why do you run? You run because it makes you feel good, makes you healthier. And sometimes, the, would you agree, sometimes circumstances demand that we run, right? I mean, this happened to me just, just a week ago, a week ago tomorrow on Monday. My wife and I, we were coming out of the fleet farm. Have you ever been to the local fleet farm? There's like three and a half miles of concrete parking lot. And we walked out of this thing, and it was 45-mile-an-hour wind. I literally came out of the door. The wind hit the cart, and out of the cart goes one of my wife's items. Instinctively, being the heroic guy that I am, I took off after that item. And I mean, I, 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 mean, I would have made America's Funniest Home Videos for sure. I could not catch that item. Within three feet, five feet, it just kept going. The wind kept taking. Some guy comes out. He misses. Another guy comes out of the store. Goes like this. He misses. And I am just running all the way across this parking lot. I completely agree. I was saved only by a group of pine trees and a chain link fence. <laughs> I was sweating profusely. I get down and I lean over and I, and I pick it up. And I look over and I can see my wife. She's about this big in my eyes. <laughs> and she's literally bent over laughing hysterically. <laughs> she's not laughing because I was running She's laughing because what I was pursuing was a 99-cent bag of Easter grass. <laughs> hey, what are you running after this morning? What are you running hard after? What are you pursuing this morning? Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? When you catch it, if you catch it, Will you find it to be worth it? Or is it going to be a 99-cent bag of grass? Will what you are pursuing give you life? I mean, really life. And if it gives you life, what kind of life does it give you? That's a good, that's a good question. Because the empty tomb is God crying out to you. He's crying out to me through his resurrected son. I want to give you life. Listen to this. Everyone here in this room will exist again after you die. But not every one of you will live. Not with the kind of life that God wants to give. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he say it, live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. This is the kind of life, resurrection life, that God wants to give those who trust him. This is the kind of life. And I tell you, I'm, it sounds like I'm differentiating, and I am. I'm holding a Bible. We, we're a Bible-believing church. We believe the Bible's the Word of God. And the New Testament was actually written in, uh, in Greek. We have our English Bibles. The only reason I say that is not to wow you, but the Greeks were much more exact than 
English. Our English word love is always love. I say I love my wife and I love pizza. I'm pretty sure we're talking about a couple of different loves there, right? <laughs> the Bible actually, and just the Greek language itself, differentiates between love. There's the word storge, means family love. There's the word phileo, it's the word uh, friendly love. There's, there is the Greek word eros, we get a word erotic, that's sensual love. That was the kind of love that Jacob was pursuing in his deadness. And then there's the much more familiar word, agape love, which is the God kind of love. The God so loved the world kind of love. So there's that differentiation. It's the same with the word life. In fact, the Bible uses three different terms for life. Two of them are words you're familiar with. The other just sounds like somebody's name. Bios. Okay. Suke. And zoe, or zoe. So bias, we get our word biology from that word. That's translated life in our English Bibles. Okay, so the, the next word is uh, suke. We get our word psychology. That's also translated life in our Bibles. And then there's the word that sounds like somebody's name, zoe. That's the God kind of life. But that's also translated life. Let me show you what I mean. Here's bias. Here's what Jesus said. He's talking about a farmer casting seed all over the place. He says this. In, uh, in Luke 8, as for what fell that is among the thorns, that's the seeds, they are those who hear, but they go on their, their way and are, say it, choked, and look what they're choked by, cares, riches, and pleasures of what? Bias. So some of you right now are here. And your whole, what you're running after, what you're pursuing, are cares, their riches, their pleasures. And what you think is, if you catch them, they're going to give you life. The truth is, they're just choking you right now. There's another word. It's, it's the word suke. Uh, whereas the word Bios means the experience, the things I'm pursuing, the stuff of life. Suke is just means breath. That's all it means is breath. And, uh, and that, that would refer to those of you, your entire life is about your health. And have we ever lived in a more health-conscious generation? Here's how Jesus put it in another one of the Gospels. Here's what it says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your, say it. That's the word suke. What you eat, drink, about your body, what you put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That's a rhetorical question. Of course it is. But if your life is all wrapped up in your health, if that's what you're huffing and puffing about, you're already dead. You just don't know it. But then Jesus said, look at it again, he described himself as the resurrection and the life. In Luke's gospel, we'll show it to you here in a second. Luke chapter 11, we just showed you, there it is. I am the resurrection and the, say it. That's the word that sounds like a name. Anybody by the name of Zoe in here? That's where your name means life. It's the God, it's the indestructible, never ending. It never ends and it never disappoints. And it's the life you should be pursuing. Now, we need to go back to our story. So look at your Bibles again. If you remember, John has outrun Peter to the tomb. 
And what I want you to know, and I'll underline these words for you, there are three times the word saw, S-A-W, are referred to here. If they're all translated saw, or to see, in our English Bibles, but they are different words in the original. And every single word is going to take us deeper and closer to the zoe of life that God wants to give you. All right? We're picking it up in verse 5. All right? Are you there? And this is John. He, remember, he got there first because Peter's still, you know, around the other side of the track. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes laying there. That's what Jesus was formerly wrapped in, right? He did not go in. Notice that as well. Then Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by himself. Hey, this would be a great proof text for a mom telling their kids to clean up the room before they leave. <laughs> it's not all disarray. Now, it says, Then the other disciple, that's John again, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw, and what? He believed. Because as yet, up to that time, that's the idea. They had not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Now, you have three saws, three looks here, and I want to talk to you about the look that gives life. First of all, there's the casual look. That's the first one. Remember, John looks into the, looks in, he comes up there and looks. That's just, just the word blepo, means to see, means to glance, just take a casual look. And that's where some of you have been for most of your life. You've been taking a casual look at Jesus, a casual look at the resurrection, a casual look at the cross, a casual look at Christianity. But I'm telling you right now, a casual look will not give you life. It can't give you life. It'll take more than that. And by the way, at this point, remember, John, is he's outside the tomb looking in, which is exactly where some of you are. And some of you watching online, you're outside looking in. It's a casual look. You're going to have to go deeper than that. The second word to see or saw is, is what we're going to call a careful look. Because the casual look won't save you, but I got news for you. Neither will the careful one, though it's important. Peter comes up, if you remember. He looks in. We get our, we get our word theater or to theorize from this word. It literally means to gaze. In fact, it means to gaze, watch this, for the purpose of analyzing. This is to all you Bible students out there. Can't go deep enough. Got to go deep. Got to get in that theology. Got to have more Bible. And that's good. But it won't change you unless it does. You can theorize, you can gaze, you can analyze and still not know God. I sat with the man some time ago, and he went through all five points of Calvinism, knew exactly what they, they stood for, understood them in depth, and was as far away from God as anybody I've ever met with in my life. That might describe you. A 33-year-old professor teaching in Bethel College, writing a book on Romans 9 on the, the depths of salvation. He was going to build an argument that would be the last of the arguments. He was studying, he was analyzing, and in the midst of his study, this 33-year-old, now 75 today, had a God encounter where God spoke to his heart and said to him, said to him I will not simply be analyzed. I will be adored. 
And that was John Piper. And it would become his call to the ministry. And he would pastor the years that would follow. Careful look won't save unless it does, unless it leads to the converting look, the, the look that converts, so to speak. Now, remember the story. John gets there, looks in from the outside. Peter gets there, dips his head in, and theorizes. He's gone deeper. Then the Bible tells us John does go in, and he looks. And that's a different word. That's the Greek word arao, and it means to see spiritually. Because the next word, you said it, meant saw and what? Believe. People say, well, what, what, what do you mean? What did he believe? You don't have to ask if you know the gospel of John. It's all about belief. 98 times John's driving the point home. In fact, if you look at the very last verse in this chapter, if you've got a Bible, it says, Now Jesus, in verse 30, did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And that believing, you might have life in his name. Life, Zoe, life in his name. There's nothing more beautiful than to see the gospel breaking into families. We just heard the message breaking into Jacob's life. There's nothing more beautiful when it takes... It, it, it sinks into a, a husband and a wife's life and then into their kids' lives and into their grandkids' life. We're praying now, God, save our grandkids and save their kids while you're at it. In the next, in the next uh, you need to watch, on, in the next set of baptisms will be a young couple that we had the joy of leading to Christ. What you don't know, their name is Banning. We have Bannings that attend here. But there is a, a man who he and his wife, he's the, he is the patriarch of our church. His wife died several years ago now. She was a banning. And the prayers for their, this guy who came to Christ, who's getting baptized in the next hour, is a banning. He is the great nephew to Art Cross, and Art doesn't even know it, but God has reached into the next generation. We sat and had a study together here several weeks back, and he, was, he had all this religious upbringing, but when, at the end of the study, he looked up at us, he goes, ungodly, that's hard to take. And then he looked at us, he said, I'm an ungodly man. And when God, with that, God opened his eyes, and he saw and believed. God has reached other generations in our church. Our very own elder and the youngest one, Jared Leonard, Never met his great-grandfather. I met him as a young student in Bible college. He sat right over here and stood up one day. His great-grandfather held the Bible open in his bent-over body. I think he was 118 at the time, but he was still alive. And he read from the book of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then he turned to the congregation. I was sitting right over there, and he said, how do you see him? I mean, wow, that question shot right through me. Well, how do you see him? Is it casual? Is it careful? Or is it a converting kind of sight? we got to get back to our story for the sake of time. Go down to verse 11, would you please? 
Now the others have taken off their home. And look at verse 11. There's a woman standing outside. That's Mary, who we started with. She stood weeping outside the tomb. She wept and stooped to look in the tomb. She saw two angels sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one on the head, one at the feet, just like the, just like the tabernacle of old. That's very powerful. John's the only one who tells us this. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said, why? They've taken away my Lord. I, do not, I don't know where they, they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. He said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Whom are you pursuing? Whom are you running after? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where, I've, where you've laid him. I, 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 I'll take him away. Mary sees Jesus but she doesn't recognize him. Something would happen in the next moment would change, that would just change everything. By a show of hands, how many of you were not here on Friday night? Just, just raise your hand if you weren't here on Friday night. That's, there's lots of you. So if you, if at a distance, this cross comes from our Friday night service. From a distance, all of these papers here just look like a, you know, a strange decoration on a cross, I guess. But if you look really, really close, there's a name on every one of those pieces of paper representing people who personally placed their faith in Jesus, identified with the crucified Christ, that they died, that he died for them personally and nailed their names to that cross. Mary doesn't recognize Jesus. She thinks he's the gardener. Hey, if you tell him, tell me where you put him. I'll come, I'll get the body and I'll bring it back where it belongs. And Jesus looks at her with one word. He says, Mary. And with that, she recognized him. She said, Rabboni, teacher, my Lord. And she believed. In fact, she went, she went running back to the disciples and she told them blatantly, I have seen the Lord. Have you seen him? Have you really seen him to give you life? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the what? The Zoe, the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. In the first service, it was a mass-required service. And during the singing, I saw only one person raising their hand. And I think we have a picture of her. Do we? Maybe. There it is. Some of you recognize her. She's dying. She has an inoperable brain tumor that's going to take her out of this world. She's dying, but I'm telling you right now, she is alive. Amen. She knows Jesus as her Savior. She has the hope 
of eternal life because she's not living off bios or suke, but zoe, the life of God is in her that will raise her body from the grave. Just like it will raise yours. When Jesus got done declaring himself to be the resurrection and the life, he asked a very, very simple question that I'll put on you as we close. He asked this question. He said, do you believe this? What does it mean to believe? It means to ask yourself that question. What are you pursuing? And if you catch it, will it be Zoe or just a bag of grass? Let's pray. God, right now as we pray, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Nobody is looking around at one another here. I just want to ask you, do you have that kind of life? Do you have that kind of life in you that causes your pursuits to run to Jesus, to the empty tomb, to the resurrected life? Have you ever seen yourself as ungodly? As you should, because we all are outside of Jesus. Have you ever seen yourself as a sinner that you have no hope without Christ who died and rose again for you? Would you believe in him today? Would you look at him, not casually, not even carefully, but with a converting look that says, God, I'm lost. I need Jesus. Would you Save me, Lord Jesus. Would you come into my heart and save me like you did Jacob? If that's your prayer, please say it, preach it, proclaim it, adore it from your heart. And the God who raised up his son will save you. And for the rest of us, may we go away like John Piper did many years ago now. Lord, you'll be more than analyzed adored in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.